Assalamu alaikum and a warm welcome from Sukun, a Muslim wellness podcast by Nasimco, broadcasting live from the 39th Annual Muslim Group of Canada and the USA Conference in Chicago, Illinois. I'm your host, Farhana Kasamali, and I'm delighted to guide you through this transformative journey towards holistic wellness within an Islamic framework. In each mini episode this week, we'll engage in meaningful conversations with our community leaders experts, and mental health professionals who will share their wisdom, stories, and personal journeys on the path to wellness. As we embark on this journey, let's reflect on the words of the Quran. So verily, with every difficulty, there is relief. Verily, with every difficulty, there is relief. Surah Anshira, verse 5 through 6. Join me as we initiate these vital discussions to promote the well-being and healing of our community. Together, we'll explore ways to heal individually, internally, and collectively in unity. A quick note for our listeners. This episode may contain discussions on themes such as depression, anxiety, and other potentially triggering topics. If you or someone you know is in crisis or needs support, please refer to our show notes for valuable resources. Now, without further ado, I'm truly honored to introduce our esteemed guest for this month, Brother Caleb Carter. Brother Caleb received his Bachelor of Arts in Philosophy from the University of Missouri in 2008 and went on to get his Master's in Speech Pathology from Wayne State University in 2016. Brother Caleb worked as a speech pathologist for seven years in the public school system in Dearborn, Michigan. As far as teaching Islam, over the past 15 years, he has given lectures, led workshops, and taught classes in a variety of settings, including Islamic centers, conferences, camps, and local programs. Welcome, Brother Caleb. Thank you so much. So I think my first question is the most obvious question. Mm-hmm. How did you convert to Islam? Mm-hmm. What drew you to the faith? And then specifically, how did you go into the Shia path? Do Sorry have, to start with such, <laughs> such an obvious question. <laughs> That's okay. So it, uh, it's a bit of a, a long story. So I'll, I'll, I'll give you the Cliff Notes version. Sure. Um, so... Basically, I was born uh, into a family that, uh, well, by the time I was born, was not basically irreligious. Okay. So my mother and father were both uh, born Christian, but they ended up kind of leaving the faith around 19, 20 years old. Okay. I was born when they were in their early 30s. So for like a decade, there was like no religion. There was just no religion at all. So when I was born, you know, um, God wasn't mentioned in the house. There was no church, anything like that. So I was kind of like a, a blank slate, yeah. so to speak. I didn't have any biases, anything like that. Um, and I was lucky to be born into a family. Uh, my parents are readers; they're educators. So I grew up around books and you know things like that. So I started. I became a reader as a as a as a child. Once I hit my teenage years, uh, I started to kind of realize I don't really know what I believe. Yeah. Um, we lived in Oregon on the West Coast for several years when I was young, and I really fell in love with nature out there because like, we'd go to the ocean and hike in the mountains yeah. and yeah. things like that. So I kind of had this like, almost like kind of belief in God, like almost like kind of instinctual, but I didn't really know like I'm a teenager, right? So right. it's like I don't really know like what does that mean. So I came across the word Islam for the first time. I was reading the autobiography of Malcolm X. Yes. I was. Uh, I believe I was 14 or 15 at the time. And that was where I was first kind of like, okay, that was on my radar. Yeah. A couple of years later, I around 15, 16, I started really 
delving into this question of religion, trying to figure out, like, should I believe in something, should I not? So I tried to just study everything. I studied uh, Far Eastern religions, Christianity, Judaism, Islam. I really went in depth. And what I found was that for every faith, there would be like this, like there would be things naturally that attracted me to them that I agreed with, uh, things that I, that I liked, I could accept. But there would be these other things where I was like, okay, I don't, this yeah. doesn't quite click with me, it doesn't make sense. So then I would look deeper into it. With other religions, I couldn't get past that block. Either okay. there was no explanation for it or the explanation wasn't satisfactory. With Islam though, it was the exact opposite. Every time I would have a question, and I would even think growing up as a Westerner, naturally there are things that you come across where you're like, okay, come on, this can't be, yeah. you know. But then, subhanAllah, you, you look into it and you realize, oh wait, no, there actually is an explanation okay. for this. So basically that became a repeated theme where it's like, I ask a question, I get an answer. I ask yeah. a question, I get an answer. And so, you know, and in, in my personal life at the time, I was, uh, you know, I was seeing a lot of um, just, let's just say, uh, the dunya around me. Like, I, I was never the type of person to like, alhamdulillah, even before Islam, like I wasn't yeah. like a partier or anything like that, but I had friends that were, yeah. and so I was kind of on the periphery, like seeing all this. And what year was this about? Oh, so this would have been like, uh, this would have been, um, like 2000, uh, around like 2001, 2002. So right around 9-11. Yes, a little bit after. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And so that naturally put it on, really put yeah. it on my radar, but I had been exposed to it a little bit before then. Okay. Um, and so just really seeing uh, my friends, the people around me making really bad decisions, okay. harming their lives. Right. I'm studying Islam, I'm realizing how much sense it makes, and it just, uh, so I was 19 years old, and there was a summer where, so it's like I'm seeing the beauty of this religion, and I had met a couple Muslims, this was all in Columbia, Missouri, I probably should have mentioned that, so Missouri, a bit okay. far from, yeah. from, uh, yeah, from Not Michigan a big where city I live now, no, no, but well, we had like a small that. Muslim population, okay. um, so I'm like, I'm interacting with these individuals, and I'm seeing the way they're living their lives, yeah. Islam is making sense to me. And then with my own friends, my own people, it's like I'm seeing the depression people are experiencing, the horrible decisions they're making, yeah. and it just became a no-brainer. It just I reached a point where I was just like, okay, this theme of for every question there's an answer. Yeah. It just it it's I became convinced and confident enough, and so I I made the decision to convert. Okay. Yep. And then did you convert into the Sunni faith, or did you go so, straight into the Shia, or how did that okay. kind of happen? So the way I describe it, so in Colombia we had one masjid. Columbia, Missouri. Columbia, Missouri, yeah. Okay. Which was, uh, which was, which was Sunni. Yes. So when I converted, however, at that point, so my conversion was mainly based off studying the Quran, okay. basic kind of universally mentioned ahadith, things yeah. like that. Yeah. So I wasn't really familiar with the Sunni-Shia split at the time. Okay. I knew it was there, but I thought it was more kind of like almost like differences between Maraja. Like it's not oh, like this it's not this big thing. So so I when I converted I yeah. would say that I was just Muslim, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I learned to pray the Sunni way, but if right. you had asked me, do you believe in the Khilafah of Abu Bakr versus Imam Ali Islam, yeah. I would have said I don't know yet. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, so I, I would say when I converted at initially I was yeah. just Muslim. Okay. That's how I how I yeah. describe it. And then, yeah. how did you find the Shia faith? So, uh, so I was very lucky. Super early after my conversion, I want to say I don't remember the exact chronology, but it was a yeah. couple weeks after. 
Um, one of my friends who I had met introduced me to a brother, a uh, Pakistani brother, okay. uh, who was Shia, and yeah. he uh, he was pretty uh, open about his Shiism. Okay. So one day we were walking back to uh, our cars, and he brought up the topic with me, yeah. introduced it to me, he started kind of explaining the basic differences, but he didn't really go into too much depth. But it, it caught my attention. Okay. So he and I became close friends. We started meeting more often. And he introduced me to a Sayyid that he knows yeah. that had studied in Qom, okay. Dr. Sayyid Hassan Askari. Okay. He was back and forth between there and DC at the time. He's a neurologist. Okay. So, um, but he, I ended up meeting him about three weeks after I converted. Yeah. And he started introducing me to uh, the Shia Aqidah. We started with Tawheed yeah. and we moved on from there. And uh, I mean, the first night I met him, uh, he just like, he captured me, really yeah. captured me. And so I had a feeling even then, I was yeah. like, okay, this is making a lot of sense, but yeah. I don't want to rush into it, especially because yeah. I had just become Muslim. Right. And there, there were like five or six Shia in our community. Right. So I'm like, okay, so I've already like outcasted myself yeah. from my own, not outcasted, that's a harsh term, but to a certain extent, distanced myself from yeah. my own Ameri white American people. And then it's like, I'm going to distance myself from, <laughs> you know, like 99% yeah. of the Muslims around me. So it took me some time, but uh, but eventually, the um, the more I spoke with him, the more I became convinced of the Shia school of thought. I, I just you just grabbed it. I mean, I had to follow what I believed was right, and so yeah. Uh, yeah so it took uh, two three months after uh, yeah. of consistent meetings with him yeah. that I made the decision. So that's an amazing story. I actually yeah. have a friend who converted, and when I asked her the same question, because it just it it makes me curious. Yeah. She said, "How could I not follow the family of the prophet?" Yeah. Yeah, well, especially she when you look at... it was so easy for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Well, you look at their words, their du'as, uh, their lifestyles, their actions. Yeah. You know, with due respect, there's no... There's just no comparison. It's very it's very easy to yeah. uh, to look at, you know, those aspects and, and realize that yeah. these are people who are worthy of, of being followed. So, yeah. Yeah. So, studying the Shia faith in mm -hmm. depth in order to convert... Yeah. As you started to kind of interact with more Shia communities, mm -hmm. did you find that the way Shias were living, the way communities were running, was in line with the Shia faith? Or is in line mm. with the Shia faith? Or did you say, whoa, there's a huge discrepancy between what we're told yeah. to do and what how people are so behaving? At the time, the only Shia community I had access to uh, was uh, Indo-Pakistani community uh, yeah. in, in Missouri. Um, and so, I'm gonna choose my words wisely here. Yes. So they're they're so they're they're intense. No, and mashallah, they I mean their love for the for Ahl Bayt is 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 completely undeniable. Uncarable. Yeah. Um, but obviously, you know, you can you can um, you can debate the you know, I mean, everyone has their their own ways of showing devotion. You know, and it's not like you know, it, it, it's something where like their their practices are not like you know, necessarily like explicitly mentioned as the way to do it yeah. you know, every every community does like you know their ashura rituals in different ways the traditions so, versus the, yeah, the, the cultural the actual aspects islamic and, practice yeah yeah okay. so you know i mean we have general things like you know the i'm telling us like mourning for imam hussein is, is mustahab and so that manifests itself in different ways and so yeah. so i found it was a bit um, like so, the first real interaction with the Shia community I had was was in Muharram with them. Yeah. This would have been in like 2000. Uh, 
2005, I want to say. I believe it was 2004 or 2005. Okay. No, 2005, yeah. Um, and so, you know, I, it wasn't, it didn't personal, that particular manifestation of mourning didn't yeah. super click with me and okay. my personality. Okay. But I understood where they were coming from. So there was a certain level of respect I yeah. had for it. But at the same time, I didn't see it as like, okay, in order for me to be a Shia, I have to do exactly what they're doing. Okay. I mean, even within the room, you have, let's just say, varying levels of how hard the chest is being hit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not everyone doing the exact same thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, um, so yeah, so that was my introduction uh, to everything. Or to, right. to, to actual, like, Shiism in action. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. No, that's an interesting yeah. perspective, especially during Muharram. That's the time when you see kind of a lot of the... Yeah. Whether it's, it's Saf Matham, whether it's... Yeah. You know, men and the, how they kind of partake in everything. Yeah. There's, yeah. There can be quite a few differences. There are. There is a lot. Yeah. Even within certain communities, there's varying. Yeah. Degrees of intensity and everything. So yeah. Yeah. Um, we actually went for a ziyarat over the summer, and I took my daughter, and it was our first time. And and you know, there's a lot of pushing on the women's side, and there's uh, the men's side on too. The, oh really? Yeah. I heard the men's side is a lot more peaceful. Maybe I don't. Women are. It was very extreme, and I was curious as to her reaction because I was like, "Is she gonna think what is this faith that yeah. we're pushing to get here?" But she was able to differentiate, and there was someone who actually said, mm -hmm. "It's the emotions that drive people. Mm -hmm. That yeah. love just drives people well, so strongly." Yeah. And that's and that's a cultural manifestation too. So like my my wife is from Iraq. Yeah. And so, in it's just it's um they have in her culture. There's a thing of just. If someone's in your way, you move them. And it's Nudge not, them it's not, they don't even see it as a push. Like, my wife yeah. has family members that have done that before. And when it's pointed out to them, they're like, I pushed them. Like, yeah. it's just like you're in my way. And it's not, you know, it's not like they're shoving or, you know, anything yeah. like that. But it's just kind of like, oh, you're in my way. So I'm yeah. going to move you. It's yeah. not seen as disrespectful or. Right. So I think once you, like, when we went for Ziada, like, yeah, I mean, the. The, the pushing was very yeah. intense. Like I was yeah. grabbing my son for dear life. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so it, with me as a white American, it, it yeah. did not click with me one bit. But I just had to tell myself, like, this is not meant to. You know, it's not anyone trying to hurt you or disrespect your space or your existence. It's not or, malicious. It, in no, its own. not not at all. Not right. at all. And so it's important to keep those things in mind. Yeah. Yeah, we're all very different. So. Yeah, yeah. for sure. <laughs> yeah. So you mentioned kind of how you saw your friends and people around you going down the wrong path before yeah. you converted. Yeah, yeah. And as you're working within the Shia, the Muslim communities, I have yeah. heard there is a rise more in oh, yeah. opioid use, in oh, drug yeah. use. Oh, yeah. Um, Big time. Yeah. Overdose deaths. Um, yes, yes. just a whole range of topics. Have you seen that? And how do you reconcile with this faith is supposed to save you mm -hmm. and you guys are doing it wrong? Excellent question. <laughs> Excellent question. Um, so yes, I, I have seen it. Um, I actually, I, I know people directly, Shia Muslims, who uh, have dealt with alcoholism, opioid addiction. We've had deaths in our community. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot of, a lot of problems. Um, the when I mentioned my friends earlier pre-Islam, yeah. my best friend actually passed away ten years ago from so sorry. a. It's okay, thank you. From uh, I believe it was it was a meth overdose. Okay. So yeah, I mean it's it's been, I've 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 been up close and personal with it on several occasions. Um, yeah, and you know I think that that you know, I think that the faith, it can save us, of course. Yeah. But you know, sometimes I wonder like, how you know. Are we really understanding it properly? And a lot of these individuals who 
uh, who do turn to drugs and alcohol, like yeah. I think a lot of it could be the their upbringing, you know, because sometimes with uh, Islam is taught in a more cultural sense, you know. Yes. So like for example, some parents will uh, present God as this very wrathful being and they yeah. use God as almost like a threat to try to keep their kids in line right so it's like you know they're six years old and they're hearing things like oh if you do that yeah. you know God's gonna choke you God's gonna bring you in hell I God's heard that this. like God's if, gonna uh, that. one one strand of my yeah. hair shows from my scarf then I'll be hung from that hair it was very scary right right and so when you you know so when you're a five six seven eight you know yeah. whatever year old kid and you're hearing these things like your your brain is not even developed you you know, you can't see gray area in anything. Yeah. You can, you know, so it's like, this is terrifying to a yeah. child. And so, you know, I think a lot of people, they grow up not really, see, like, understanding the depth of Islam and really seeing, yeah. like, who, who God is as he says he is. Like, they're introduced right. to, like, like the, I don't want to say the member God, because there the are, because one. we do have ulama who are doing a wonderful job. Yeah. Uh, one million, per, and they are doing it properly. But sometimes there is that, you know, God is, God is not presented the right way. That's, right. you know, the deen is not, it's, you know, the religion is presented as, okay, you know, God created you and there's these laws and yeah. you do them, you go to heaven, you don't do them, you go to hell right. and God's going to be angry at you. And it's just, and those things are, I mean, they're, they're true, but at, in a very, like, there's so much more to it than that. Like yeah. there is heaven, there is hell. Absolutely. Of course. Yeah. But it's like, there's a depth to it that's really missing. Yeah. There and that you know the fact that every surah except one begins with Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. God could have yeah. chosen any two or more names Attributes, to mention, yeah. yet these are the two that are always you're so right that are introduced. Yeah. And but you know, so I wonder, like, do uh, us as parents, like the ulama that these people are interacting with, like, are they being given a proper understanding of yeah. Islam? And some kids they just hear it and they think, oh, that's what it is. End of story. I don't want to. They don't. They don't go look deeper. Like because they're yeah. young. They don't think like. Oh well, this sheikh said this, but yeah. do the other sheikh think that? Like a lot yeah. of times, it's just like like even like my parents. Like my dad left Catholicism because the the priest in his city, he grew up in a very small city in Missouri, uh, was just basically a bad guy. He did some things that yeah. were wrong, and so my dad turned his back on the faith. And so as an adult, I'm kind of like, well, but he doesn't represent every, every you know. But as, when you're growing up, you don't always think to 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 say like, oh well, is there more beyond? you know, my specific experience. A lot of yeah. times it's just like, oh, the sheikh said it, he's the, the one who studied Islam, that must be what Islam thinks. Yeah. Khalas, I'm done, you know? Right. And so, um, so I, I think, long story short, I think it can save you, but there really has to be that proper understanding to begin with. And I think a lot of us are lacking that right now. Yeah. And which community do you, are you in right now? So, so I live in Dearborn. Okay, Michigan. oh, okay. Yeah, so I'm mainly involved there. Um, I branch out a little bit here okay. and there, but I'm primarily in Dearborn. Yeah. So you do see these problems in the community? Oh, right? yeah. Oh, yeah. We have yeah drug overdoses. Yeah, especially in Dearborn. It's, yeah, it's a, big, it's a big problem right now. Yeah. And what yeah. do you feel that your community and other communities should do more of in order to kind of curb this, not trend, but kind of this deviation that a lot of people are taking? Because, I mean, you can lecture all you want. We can go to Muharram Mall yeah. just as all you want. Yeah. Uh, someone might go there, check the box, and say, "Look, this will get my parents off my case, and I'm going to go home and do what I want." Yeah, exactly, exactly. How do we get away from that? Do you think we need to have more interaction, more camps, more what? Because I think a lot of parents, mm -hmm. to their credit, are struggling. How do I connect with my child when they're growing yes. up in such a different environment? One hundred percent, one hundred percent. 
Yeah, this is a phenomenal question, um, and it's one I think about a lot. And I, I have a lot of friends who are, who are ulama, and we, we we talk about this. And especially the younger ones, they're starting to really come up with more kind of realistic answers to these questions. And um, I think you know, it, it's kind of multi-dimensioned. Um, I think parents play a huge role. Um, you know, I think relationships are very very important. So. Even if, if you try to, as we should take everything back to Islam, there's a beautiful verse in uh, Surah Ali Imran where Allah basically says about the Prophet that if you had been hard-hearted with people, they would have fled from you. You know, yeah. if you were stern, if you were firm, if you weren't gentle, yeah. they wouldn't have listened to you. So it's like Allah is—he's almost giving us like a little like psychological hint there that like yeah. you can come and say the most true thing in the world but if you are you know rough with it and disrespectful and you know then who's gonna wanna who's gonna wanna listen to that you yeah. know what I mean yeah. naturally just your human instinct is gonna be oh someone's being firm and mean and therefore you know I'm gonna yeah. distance myself and on the flip side, you know, you can come gentle and say something that's wrong and a lot of people might start following you. I think that happens, so actually. I think One that's how, like, cults and a lot of yes, these certain yes, organizations, yes, yes. It starts I think off, that's how they get off people. Yeah, like, please come, we'll take care of you, we yep. love you. Like yep. They see that kindness and it sucks them in, 100%. Yeah. And so, I think with us as parents, you know, like, like, like what I've done with my children and what I recommend to a lot of parents when they say, like, you know, I don't know what to do with my yeah. kids, it's like, you know, sometimes you just just be their friend. Just to like, sit down with them and like like my son loves basketball. We shoot around in the backyard. I play video games with them. Yeah. Sometimes I'm almost forty years old. I'm sitting there playing yeah. video games. Like yeah, yeah. I feel ridiculous, but it's like this is you know, if this is what it takes to build that connection, yeah. you know, sometimes just showing an interest in their life, just sitting down and tell me about your day, you know, yeah. what what you know, what book are you reading? What do you like about it? Oh, do you like you know, you're you're into this movie or show, yeah. what do you like about it? Just yeah. showing that interest and really making them feel loved and supported is really big. And I think on outside of parenting, like if, if for leaders in the community it should be the same thing. Like uh Sayyid Hassan Rizvi last night was saying that, you know, sometimes at his center he'll just sit and play Mario Kart with the yeah. kids. And I'm like, yeah. that's beautiful. That's yeah. exactly what you know, you, you need to build these relationships, connections. Like yeah. let them feel like you're not just there to, you know, educate them and and, and when you look at the Sunnah of the Prophet, the Imams, Alayhi Salam, it's the exact same thing. There was that genuine love and concern that they had for people and they interacted with them as, as a prophet as a teacher yeah. but they also interacted with them in a very human yeah. way as well of just you know you're you're a human being and i love yeah. and care about you and yeah. you know what i mean and so i think we really need to have that that element as well but those interpersonal bonds um i think religion needs to become the formal aspect is fine the lectures the you know but like even here when i'm doing these workshops and lectures yeah. like to me, that's like a stepping stone to a yeah. greater relationship of sitting down with you one on one, texting yeah. with you, joking with you. Like it's it's you're you're building a long term relationship, which is yeah. there's a formality there, but there's also you need to it needs to be a little bit informal as well. Yeah. There needs to be a little bit more of like you know that friendship component, and so yeah. I think if we can do that, that would help us go a long way. Yeah. I think the also the parent to parent connection is important because like if the parents don't know each other sometimes they don't know where their kids might be going awry or it's like yeah you know gone are the days where you could actually like tell another parent oh I just saw your child they weren't praying I just wanted to let you know everyone's oh. so defensive now, oh this is a huge problem that and it's the, yeah. like it's not a 
village raising kids anymore. It's like, I just want to right. avoid confrontation. And this is, this is, you know, like when I reference how, you know, you need to look at what Islam itself says. I've had interactions with people where I've attempted to, you know, to point things out and they get very defensive. And I'll even say things like, look, this is a two-way street. You can critique me as well. Yeah. You know, there's a beautiful hadith Imam Sadiq says, uh, my best friend is the one who points out my flaws to me. Yeah. And so we should have that. Like, it's not this personal, like, I'm not saying you're this facet who's going to hell. No, I'm just <laughs> saying, like, I'm trying, I'm telling you this out of concern for you to make you better. But yeah, there is that defensiveness. And so it becomes very hard to even feel like you can have those conversations. Um, yeah. So the more we could do that, the better things would be. But yeah, a lot of parents, they... I think they do kind of end up feeling on their own or kind of isolated in that sense. Yeah. yeah. Do you notice themes of um, like depression or kind of mm -hmm. lowness or like you go to your community and you say, you know, I haven't seen this person in like mm -hmm. months or like even a year. Yeah. Like I wonder where they are. Our communities yeah. sometimes are so big that we can't notice that. Right, right. But sometimes that is attributed to they're just too depressed to come to Masjid. Or... Yeah. I know people personally who have these issues. Yeah. So I think a lot of people think they're suffering alone and it's just easier for them to stay home instead of coming to the Masjid. Like, you know, I was talking to someone and with everything that's going on overseas or whenever, you know, the world's news just gets so tough, you just feel like sitting by yourself, but just going to a Thursday night program sometimes just lifts you out of that. 100%. But some yeah. people aren't able to, they just cannot yeah. even get out of bed. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts or advice for people who think they're alone in this? I mean, this is a very tricky question. Um, well, first of all, they're definitely not alone. I mean, this is, I mean, if you look at it statistically, the rates of anxiety, depression, mental health issues yeah. in general is, 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 is uh, increasing. increasing. Uh, you know, it's been consistently increasing for decades now. That's not going to change. And we're, I mean, okay, yeah, we're Muslim, but we're yeah. human. We're just as prone to anxiety and depression as anybody else. And so, um, 100% those yeah. brothers and sisters are not alone. Yeah. Um, as far as what they should do, I think that, this is this is a great question but it's a complex one i from my understanding um i've tried to look at so i've done some research into mental health issues and i'm not an expert so i'm not saying yes, this is an expert but there, i have seen an array of advices from experts yeah. naturally there are differing opinions but i think to a certain extent it, it, it should be individualized you know to see like what works for what works for one person may yeah. not you know, work for another um but it would seem that each person within kind of their own sphere, yeah. their own personality, um, they should try to, you know, as best they can implement uh, things that are healthy for them, that are uh, enjoyable, that they like, yeah, um, and th and that are that are that are practical and that are doable. You right. know, because mental health is it's not unfortunately you know, we can't. From my understanding, is you, generally you can't pin it down. To just one thing yeah it's not just like oh you know eat this food and you'll be fine or exercise and you'll be fine yeah. or no it's a more broad you know spectrum of course so taking trying to say okay i'm going to completely 180 my mental health overnight maybe for some people they can do that maybe for others not so i i what i would recommend for people is try to find things that that are are known to be healthy that would um assist you in that process but you know things that you enjoy things that are doable yeah you, know, you like sports okay get more active in sports yeah. you know 
you like cooking okay research uh recipes that have healthier ingredients that yeah because you know, those those vitamins and minerals you know our diets are <laughs> not great well and it's contributing to mental health issues yeah. uh, you know the microbiome and you know all that stuff yeah so um but it has to be it has to be practical it has yeah. to be um something that is uh that can actually be done yeah. we, can't, we can't set the bar too high so i yeah. would encourage people get involved in things that you like yeah. that are healthy yeah. and then try to go from there yeah probably and be the best thing i think that's why it's so nice whenever um musters have like youth programs that involve sports like a sports yeah. league kind of thing yeah. yeah um and the women's committee and they do their own yeah. thing it gets yeah. people in like little you know right. dessert competitions or whatever it is so at least it pulls people in right right um that's great advice do you have any stories of the prophets or any particular ayah that mm. you go to whenever you're at a low point? Any story? Like honestly, Imam Ali is, um, oh. comes to mind a lot, just because of the just the isolation he yeah. felt having been you know rejected, uh, you know at least theoretically and in practice. I mean, some people knew it was yeah. supposed to be his, but for whatever reason, didn't you know actually support. Yeah. But that and then, you know, uh, losing his wife, you know, being in that, that state of, of loneliness um, and feeling that lack of support from the community yeah. when, you know, literally the most important thing on right. earth belongs to you. <laughs> I mean, yeah. That's pretty tough. And so anytime, if I'm going through any difficulty, you know, sometimes you do feel that, you know, I've had friends who have kind of fallen off the path and it's yeah. difficult to bring them back. And you do yeah. feel that kind of uh, the blues at times. Yeah. Um, but But remembering that, the blues he felt were <laughs> far more <laughs> yeah. far more blue than anything I could ever go through it can it can provide a sense of support um, but I think every story I mean you know the story of the abuse of Edison, I'm yeah. kind of that reminder that you know there can be triumph at the end yeah. um, you know I think they all kind of uh, but I, I find recently for whatever reason Imam Ali has yeah. come to my mind no. more often than others so yeah. that's a really good reminder yeah um I want to thank you so much for your time. Yeah, this was a great conversation, no um, very insightful. So a special thank you to our listeners and a heartfelt appreciation to the 39th Annual Muslim Group of Canada and the USA Conference for collaborating with Sukun, a Muslim wellness podcast by Nasimco, for making this broadcast possible. Find our podcast on Apple's podcast, Spotify, or at nasimco.org. Also tune in to Nasimco Radio on our website and the Nasimco app, available on Google Play Store and the Apple App Store. Your contributions support the quality and research of Nasimco Radio and the Sukun Podcast, fostering unity, knowledge, and spiritual growth within our community. To contribute, please consider donating under general fund at nasimco.org.